we have one more message on the Grinches that steal Christmas. And I'll be preaching that message a week from today on the 27th. It'll be two days after Christmas, but that's okay. We're going to deal with that last one that's on that sermon bump, anger. Today we're going to talk about greed. We've been dealing with these Grinches that steal the joy and spirit of Christmas from us. And today we go to Luke chapter 12. I really enjoyed the reading of the Advent wreath, the Simons family reading for us from the Sermon on the Mount. Some of my favorite scriptures are there in Matthew chapter 6. Just amazing scriptures, wonderful truths. By the way, Christmas Eve, 5 o'clock, all right? I think Tim's got about half a dozen Christmas carols lined up for us to sing, and we're going to sing a bunch, and then we're going to do the candlelight service. So that will be Christmas Eve. You're all invited, of course, and bring your family and your friends. That's Thursday. Luke chapter 12, verse 13, the Grinch of greed, striving for joy in relationships instead of surrendering our heart to this Grinch that steals Christmas. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. We're in the holiday season and come Christmas Day, our den and maybe yours is going to be littered with colorful paper all torn to pieces. And the kids are going to be examining the gifts they have received. It is only after long search and important help that I was able to secure a Yeti cup for my son. I drew his name, and he wanted a 20-ounce Yeti cup, the tumbler. I thought, well, that's a simple gift. So I called Melissa's dad over at Ace Hardware, and they're out. I went to Academy, they're out. Cabela's is out. Everybody's out. Nobody knows when they're going to get any more. I looked on the internet, and there's a fellow there who had the wisdom to buy four of them. He put a picture of all four of them. He wants 75 bucks a piece. I said, I ain't doing that. Found a 30-ounce tumbler for 130 bucks. Finally paid too much for one of those. Threw my son-in-law, found it up in Mississippi. 
But you know, (laughs) it was a chore finding it. And we worry about things like that at Christmas time. We worry about, are we spending enough? Are the kids going to have enough gifts? What's it going to be like on Christmas morning? Will everybody be happy? Will some people be disappointed? It's just, it's a trying and anxious moment when we open gifts at Christmas. Too often, that's how it feels. And so today, I'm turning to the teachings of Jesus. Because sometimes, the worry about possessions really does steal Christmas And I want to talk to you about what he said concerning possessions here. I ran into a dad just a couple weeks ago who said, I hate Christmas. It costs too much. All right. So I want to talk to you about that anxiety, about the materialism of Christmas. And here's the first thing I want to tell you, okay? Do not measure yourself by money. Don't measure yourself by how expensive the gifts are that you're able to buy. Don't measure yourself that way because if you do, you will conclude false things about yourself. Jesus says here, a man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. And he says it very clearly. Now, we help people who need food, who need clothing, who need medical care. Our ministries carry those necessities to them. And everybody needs those. And if you don't have enough food, you you are right to be anxious. Because in order to live, you need food and shelter and clothing. So this teaching of Jesus is not about ignoring the necessities. In fact... Paul the Apostle says later on, look, if you have food and clothes, if you have the necessities, here's the key, okay? If you've got those necessities, you need to be content with that. The problem here is there is a fellow who feels like his life consists of the abundance of his possessions. He feels like he has more life if he's got more stuff. And if he's worth more in his net worth financially, he's worth more as just a human being. He's worth more than other people. He has this false notion about the value of his own life and the value of the lives around him. He feels like his life consists of the things which he possesses, the abundance of those things. Now that's so backward, especially at Christmas, it ought to be easy to see. Because our Lord Jesus chose to be born in a manger. God the Father decided a pasture in Bethlehem, a place where they feed cows, that would be a good place for my son to be born. He could have been born anywhere. He could have lived anywhere. But he chose this path to be born of peasant parents, in this stark environment in a pasture, to live without a permanent address as a minister and adult, to die with scarcely anything to his name, just the bare necessities. This is how how the father chose for his son to be born and live on the planet, intending that it would be an instruction for us who are his followers Not to allow the stuff to capture us. 
not to allow possessions to define our life and our worth. Jesus' journey on the planet makes it impossible for we who truly call him Lord to suppose that our life consists of the things which we possess because he had no abundance in that regard. And yet he had abundant life. And he came that he might give it to us as well. Do not measure yourself then by money. It's a false measurement. And Jesus would challenge us instead to look at other things of which our life consists this Christmas. And to make sure we are expressing love to one another and caring for each other. And not measuring Christmas by how expensive the gifts may be. It's a trap to fall into, really. Something we sometimes do to ourselves. Wanting to impress, we spend too much at this time of year. And then we've got to pay the bills through the months ahead. And we've really been unwise, not only for ourselves, but for our family as well. Better to assess our financial situ situation soberly and tell ourselves again, life does not consist of the things which we possess. Now, there's another teaching here that goes right along with this. Do not prepare financially just for yourself. I know you're working at that right now. You're preparing for somebody else. You've got the tree up. You're putting the wrapped gifts under that tree. The children are coming. We're going to have that too. All eight of those grandchildren will be in our house on Christmas. We've got stockings hanging up. We're ready to receive them. We've done it for them. When they're not coming, when it's our off Christmas every other year, we don't do so much. But we're trying to prepare for them. And being focused on them, their joy is our joy. It really is, for a grandpa, for a parent, more blessed to give than to receive. All right? We love giving in this time. Well, let's extrapolate that out, okay? Because this man in the parable has failed to realize this. That it's more blessed to give than to receive. He's, his life is collapsed upon himself. He's worried about himself, and he's preparing only for himself financially. He's not caring for anybody else. We don't learn about any friends or family members that are benefiting from this wealth, from this abundant harvest that he's had. He's taking care only of himself with these big barns that he's building. And when he gets done, he says to himself. I don't know if he has anybody else to talk to. Well, you got plenty. Laid up for many. Sit back. What else are you going to do? You know, your life has become so small, focused on just the abundance of things that people have peeled out of your life until it's just you. And now you got your stuff to embrace. And nobody else. It's really a sad picture Jesus paints in this parable of this fool. I thought about it this week when someone said to me, we need to help people with their wills. I hadn't intended to go there in this message, but I, I, I thought, you know, that really is part of this message. I guess this fool thought he was going to live forever. Maybe he decided, I'm going to live to be 100. Maybe you decided that. 
Maybe you've decided you're going to live to be 100. Well, that's a nice thing to decide, of course. You don't get to decide that, right? You don't get to decide that. Somehow or other, in his mind, he was living in the delusion that he was going to be around to enjoy all this stuff, maybe perpetually. And so he never took care of the disposition of his property. And he died with all the stuff in the barns. And when the parable says, who's going to have this stuff that you prepared for yourself? The answer is probably, Uncle Sam. (laughs) So maybe it would be a good note, having visited this question, to say to you, be a good steward with your income while you're here. Don't focus on the money, focus on the family. Provide well for your family. Take care of the money that passes through your hands. Be a good steward now and be a good steward through your inheritance. What you're going to leave behind, think about it. Don't be under the delusion you're going to be here forever. You're not. God said, you fool. This night, your life is required of you. We say life is a gift from God, and we believe it. And we're not to take life, not our own life or the life of another person, unless we're in self-defense. We are to respect and honor life. That's why we don't believe in abortion. We want people to respect the life from the womb to the tomb. We want... Uh, to have dignity and worth for every human being, no matter how sick. End of life, God determines how long we live. And I know those issues are complex, but we begin by saying God is the giver of life, and we know that life belongs to Him, even the life that is sick, even the life that is pre-born. It's His, not ours to take. And that is a fundamental truth of Scripture. This is the dignity and worth of every human being. And so we don't measure life by money. It's God who gives us life, and we wait for God to receive us into His presence. And Jesus puts it this way, your life will be required of you. Now, the way I view it, okay... The scripture says, as your faith is, so be it unto you. This is my faith. God has my life. And he determines how long I'm going to live. Now, I'm going to try to take good care of this poor body here. It's getting older. But it's up to God. And I'm indestructible until God's ready for me. All right? So I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to be a good steward of the body. But I'm... Placing myself in the hands of God. And the length of my days are up to Him. There's a lot of peace in that. There's a lot of security in that. And there's a lot of freedom in that. Say, Lord, I'm yours. And I'm going to be yours. Every breath I take until you're ready for me. And when you're ready for me, I'll come into your presence. And that'll be a great culmination to trusting you all the days of my life. So I'm just at peace about that. The rich fool in the parable, doesn't realize his life's going to be required of him. 
He never prepared in a relationship with God to go into eternity. He left all his stuff behind having just cared for himself. Don't let greed steal the opportunity from you to make a disposition of your wealth that is wise and a blessing to those who love you and whom you love. Don't prepare financially, in other words, just for yourself. Think about the others around you. Think of the way to serve them. Paul the Apostle said, Let him who stole steal no more. Instead, let him work with his hands so that he will have something to give to those who are in need. That's a great way to think about what God provides you in abundance. As God has provided you in abundance this holiday season, think about how you can bless those who are in need. The truth of the matter is that the rich fool's fundamental error was this. He was not rich toward God. You know? Anybody is foolish who prepares financially only for themselves, thinks only of themselves, supposes their security is in an abundance of possessions, and is not rich toward God. That coupling together, not rich toward God and having a lot, it's a deadly combination. People do foolish things. So you want to be rich toward God. Here's what greed is. Greed is the fundamental idolatry in the human family. It is you shifting your focus from the God who made you, who sent his son to be your savior, who rescued you from your sin, and who has prepared a home for you in heaven. It is the fundamental idolatry of shifting your focus from the God who's done all this for you to the stuff that he has made. It happens. We worship and serve the creation instead of the creator. We get our eyes off the one who has provided everything for us. Every good and perfect thing comes down from God above. We know this when we think about it, okay? If the rich man had thought about it, he would have realized that this good soil which gave abundant crops, he didn't make that happen. That rich man couldn't make seeds germinate. He couldn't make the soil uh, nourish those seeds. He couldn't keep away the storm so that the crop was great. It was in God's providence that he received that great harvest. And the same is true for you. If we are under the delusion that we ourselves have done it all, then we have forgotten the God who gave us hands and eyes and feet and intellect so that we can do anything in this world and all the provision of his resources around us. In fact, every breath we breathe, every heartbeat is a gift from him. To worship the creator is to turn your focus upon him and acknowledge this moment by moment and day by day and at this Christmas season to say, Lord, you are the giver of all good gifts and you have given the greatest gift in the gift of your son Jesus and I am acknowledging you with everything I have, with my life, my words, my deeds and my family relationships. I'm not going to trade loving human relationships to hug 
stuff. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to choose instead to love others with all my heart and to use the stuff to bless them. I'm not going to get that backwards. The Baals that the ancient people worshipped were the gods of increase. They wanted increased crops, increased flocks. And so, in order to get that increase, they thought they needed to go to the Baal, the idol of wood or stone. And they'd pray to the Baal for increase. They were praying to a false god. The God who gives the increase is not the Baal. He is the Lord of glory. And we begin on our relationship with him by saying, everything I have comes from you. You own the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills too. You are Lord of all. And so I am responding in gratitude to you in my management of all the things that I have, of everything that we have this Christmas. We are responding to you. And fundamentally... We're going to acknowledge you and keep our focus on you all through this holiday season. Have I lost? Oh, there I am. Is everybody okay? All right. Be rich toward God. Don't measure yourself by money. Just don't do it. Be rich toward God. Don't prepare financially just for yourself. Be rich toward God. How am I going to be rich toward God? I'm going to be rich in prayer, rich in faith, rich in worship, serving Him with a whole heart, knowing that fundamentally I am His. And living my life this way. Greed defined is the idolatry of things. Greed cured is getting back to the worship of God that He alone deserves. Bow with me, please. Maybe your response to this message is a very private response. Maybe the Holy Spirit is pointing out to you an area of your life where you have a lot of anxiety and worry and stress and it concerns things and the Lord is saying to you you know you need to get your focus back on me just trust me don't be anxious about these other things maybe God is calling you back to just a pure faith in him as creator as sustainer as savior and as friend Maybe what you need to do is present your body a living sacrifice to him today. And this is your reasonable service. To get back focused on the God who made you and loves you and sent his son to save you. Maybe God is doing other things in your life. Maybe you've never trusted Jesus as Savior. You've thought about it. And you've wanted to. But you've never made that commitment to Christ. And today he's calling you to do so. You could come today saying... I want Christ in my life. I know I'm a sinner. I want him to forgive me. I want to be saved. Maybe you've already done that and you need to be baptized or be a part of a church. Or maybe you just have something in your heart that you need to pray about with another human being. And that's why we're here. 
to receive you and to pray with you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son Jesus this most precious Christmas gift. Lord, we pray that we will follow you in the giving of ourselves, in love for you and love for others. Help us to respond to your word the way your spirit calls us to do so. Help us to come clean with you about attitudes and heart. Help us to prepare for Christmas worship by making sure that we are focused upon you, the God who saves us. In Jesus' name we pray.